Hello and welcome to Scream Scene, the horror movie podcast where we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order and then we rank them from best to worst. My name's Sarah. And I'm Ben. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing quite well today. Uh, How about yourself, Sarah? Uh, Well, we had a very long recording day yesterday because we recorded what we are putting together for our special October content on Patreon. It's a recording of us doing an actual play of the game Dread, an original story that you put together, and our two friends, Tori and Lisa, joined us, and it was a nine-hour record day. Yes. It was was a lot. It was Um, a lot. The final episode won't be nine hours, uh, but it'll still be a long one, so uh, head to patreon.com slash screamscenepodcast to get in on that right when it launches. Um... (laughs) But yeah, that uh, really tuckered me out for today. You know, if you end up wanting to like cut that into like multiple episodes when you're editing it, like if that makes sense when you're doing it, go for it. People can hit pause. Okay. It'll be fine. I'll put timestamps in. So if someone wants to skip to something like they can, but yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited for that to come out. I think we ended up producing something really special. Yeah, and our friends did a really amazing job. Um, To be expected, they're really great role players. But I can understand why, like, after a whole day of being on like that, that you're a little tired today. So don't worry, because you're going to get a break. (laughs) Sure, okay. Because Sarah, the hit parade of 1960, has decided to take a break. Oh, good. And we are watching today a movie that does not matter. Are you sure? Are you allowed to say that without seeing it first? <laughs> yes. I, I feel so confident. Well, what are we watching today? Today, Sarah, we are watching Sedok, Ready de Satan, or Sedok, the heir of Satan. Okay. Also known as Atom Age Vampire in its US title. So is Sedok the guy's name? Yes. Okay, because that sounds like Spock's long-lost brother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. This movie seems (laughs) to have been made to cash in on the horror movie fad. Sure. This is a very quickly made cash-in film. As an example, this movie was produced by Elio Ippolito Molino for Lions Films, but the movie was released six days after The Mask of Satan, a.k.a. Black Sunday, so he used the pseudonym Mario Fava on oh the my credits, God. which was good enough to fool many publications in America into listing this as a Mario Bava production. Oh, this guy. The screenplay, which is written by like, I think four or five different writers, including <laughs> poet and novelist Alberto Bevilacqua, is a straight up ripoff of Eyes Without a Face. Okay. Um, with some Jekyll and Hyde thrown in and some like using glands to restore your youth 1940s shit thrown in. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they're really just, you know, putting a bunch of things together that they think will mesh well. And like, just as a reminder, because I know it feels like maybe it was a long time ago. Eyes Without a Face was like two months ago in 1960. Yeah. So that's its most recent influence. Yes. 
So this thing was put together very fast. It was directed by Anton Giulio Maiano, um, who'd been working in Italian film since the 1930s. This would be his second last feature film, after which he would transition his career into television. This picture was pumped out very quickly. It stars many regular performers of low-budget Italian films of this period. No one we would recognize, but if you watch a lot of like Sword and Sandals movies from this period, you'd recognize some of these people. The only person we would recognize is Ivo Garani, who just played Prince Vida in oh. Black Sunday. Uh, he appears as a commissioner in a brief role. <laughs> so this was like his weekend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the movie was scored by Armando Trovaioli, uh, who mostly worked on like jazzy scores for Italian comedies of this period. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, this picture was released on August 16th, 1960. It is 105 minutes long and it made 90 million lira, which was about $45,000, I think. Um, Ital- yeah, we've talked about like the weird math that has to be done to try to translate what that would be in today's money because yeah. the lira doesn't really exist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's hard. Um, Italian critics at the time called this movie absurd and clumsy. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have heard that it maybe has some good makeup effects in it. Maybe. Okay. We'll see. Well, something to look forward to. It was released May 29th, 1963 in America in a dubbed form, edited down from 105 minutes to 87 minutes long. That's a lot. Yeah, that's... um, Like nearly 20 minutes. 20 minutes, yeah. Uh, and retitled Atom Age Vampire. Then on U.S. television, it was edited down further to 72 minutes, and the public domain version that floats around on low-budget DVDs from people like Alpha Video is 69 minutes long. Nice. American critics called this film unimaginative, sluggish, and banal. All things that you would associate with uh, the atomic age. (laughs) Terminal Video Italia has released this film on DVD at the full original running time in 2017. So we're going to be watching the um, original Italian cut. The version on YouTube that we're going to be watching has like a burned in watermark caption (laughs) uh, that sometimes interferes with reading the English language captions. Oh, well. The film's public domain status has led to a number of interesting remixes. Uh, In 2009, an animator took the English dubbed soundtrack and paired it with like new animation. Uh, While in 2011, Adam Roberts made a shot for shot remake also using the English dubbed soundtrack, but with no characters. Just like going to places in Italy where they shot it, I guess, and like just shooting the shots with nobody in them and laying over the soundtrack. So it all sounds like the conversations are happening off screen. Well, it's like Garfield minus Garfield, but this movie (laughs) minus everybody. Okay. Um, So it's in the public domain is what I'm getting at here. Yeah, but it sounds like folks will be able to watch it on our YouTube playlist. Yes, very easily. Okay, well, you know, we we can spread the joy around. Um, (laughs) If you want to find that playlist, you can go to our website, ScreamScenePodcast.com. Any, anything else that's to it add? that's all i got that's on this all movie. you got yeah it was made in italy that's like <laughs> i mean you got some good stuff ben don't don't sell your research short uh well folks watch along you're going to hear a brief musical interlude and when we come back we will discuss sedok lavede de satan uh aka 
Adam Age Vampire from 1960, directed by Anton Giulio Maiano. See you on the other side, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. We just finished watching Sedok, Lerde di Satana, or Adam Age Vampire, from 1960, directed by Anton Giulio Maiano. Sarah, what did you think? Ooh, bad movie. It's funny because I had gone into this being informed that the American title, Adam Age Vampire, was inaccurate. Not too inaccurate. Here's the thing. It is... But it's not any less accurate than the Italian title either. Like now, what's funny is both are justified within the dialogue of the Italian version that we watched. Which is weird. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people only see the American dub of this. We watched the original Italian version. Both titles do get justified, but neither title is good for this movie. Correct. What does the Sedoc Italian title translate to sedoc heir of satan yeah yeah no not yeah. not accurate no well at least we begin this nearly two hour long movie with a striptease <laughs> um we mainly follow jeanette who is the stripteaser in question and her boyfriend pierre through a bit of a melodramatic uh relationship basically they're in love he wants her to quit being a stripper. She's like, I got to pay my bills. So he leaves her and she's like, well, fuck, I guess I got to quit being a stripper because he left me. Now, Pierre is a sailor and he's heading off for like his next tour, tour voyage. And so Jeanette drives off after him, but gets into a car crash, which leaves her scarred on her face. This makes it to the news, the newspapers and uh, we see that a Dr. Levin, his assistant Monique, and um, Minion, <laughs> Sasha. Yeah, his gardener, who, yes, Minion. Minion. Um, they read about this, and Dr. Levin is like, great, she's going to be the perfect candidate to prove that my theories about using atomic radiation to cure scarring will work. It'll be, like, a great success and her name will get me in the papers. Um, Monique goes and gets her. It's all supposed to be very secretive. No one is allowed to know about where she's going. And yeah, so Dr. Levin uses atomic radiation um, to regenerate scars. Monique is like full in on this research because she is in love with Dr. Levin. Um, and she is so far gone into believing all of this that she scars herself on her arm and then they use the concoction uh, to remove the scarring, um, basically pushing forward human testing before Dr. Levin believes it's even ready. But it works, so they're like, cool, now we'll do it on Jeanette. Can I explain the nonsense science very quickly behind this? Oh, sure. Okay, so the idea here is that, like, Dr. Levin 
worked in Japan on like people with keloid scarring from Hiroshima and basically wants to figure out a way to use like radiation to cure scarring, as Sarah was saying, developed a compound called Derma 25 that makes you worse, turns you into like a monster, essentially, and then derived from Derma 25, Derma 28, which fixes you. And the way it fixes you is basically anti-cancer. And I will say (laughs) that, like, given that I was expecting a glands movie at first, um, this is actually surprisingly forward-thinking sci-fi because they're kind of describing stem cell research because basically the idea is just taking cancer cells that, like, multiply, you know, and, and take over the person and reversing them to destroy scar tissue. So that's the the bullshit nonsense science here. I bring this up so that I can complain about plot holes later. Absolutely. <laughs> There's much to complain about with this movie. Um, so they succeed in, they say, curing Jeanette of her scars. And Levin is in love with Jeanette, both because she is a beautiful woman and also because her beauty is thanks to him. So he... He is uh, narcissistically in love as well. He feels like he has ownership over her. Yes. Unfortunately, they had to use like the majority of Derma 28 Mm -hmm. to reverse the scarring. And the cure isn't fully stabilized. Uh, Her scars start to come back. So they need to keep stabilizing this cure. To get more Derma 28, they have to essentially kill someone and use derma 25 to derive derma 28 so levin ends up having to kill monique which he's not too um beat up about because she was in the way anyways of him getting to be with Jeanette. this is where the gland stuff comes in because what he takes from his murder victims is a gland which he then like uses with the derma 25 and derma 28 yeah it doesn't really make a lot of sense at this point, but somehow they're extracting Derma 28 from the glands that he's taking from healthy young women. That part was a little fuzzy. Unfortunately, the the cure needs a lot of stabilizing, so he needs to keep killing. Luckily, there's a gorilla on the loose, uh, so he uses that as cover to go and keep murdering, but then he also has, like, this problematic conscience So he's like, ah, if I take Derma 25, this radioactive solution, I will become a monster myself and no longer have to worry about this conscience. So he does that and transforms in a Jekyll Hyde sort of way and goes out killing. And conveniently, they have this like radiation therapy to get rid of scarring that doesn't work except on scars created by derma 25 so he can undo the transformation that must be like derma 26 you know (laughs) so the police are sort of on the trail of either a gorilla or this person killing or on where Jeanette is because she has gone missing basically as far as they know um then a woman a raving woman comes in talking about uh sedok um coming up with this story that sedok is the heir to satan and that's who's been doing these murders and he's some kind of sexual predator and stuff and it's like completely like hand waved away by the police but it gets 
thrown all over the papers um, in a yellow journalism sort of thing, to the point where one of the reporters also includes, um, yes, this older woman who lives alone at 123 Italy Street, like right. giving her exact address, which means she is the next person killed. It's so bizarrely out of left field because basically we're meant to understand that this is just a woman who's like made up something crazy to tell the police so that she can get in the papers and get attention. Yeah. And this is treated, the movie actually treats this as like, oh, you know, one of these people, like as if this is a normal thing. And then her story itself is like, you know, Sedok, this name I just came up with out of nowhere. He visited me as a child. Like there's so many weird random details to it and the name never makes sense or is explained what Sedok is supposed to be. It just kind of becomes the name everyone decides to start using. Yeah. It it had weird comic book movie feels. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Jeanette, she keeps getting either gaslit or just straight up drugged throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. So it's never quite clear how much she knows about what's going on, but she does eventually realize that she is trapped. And so she tries to get word out to Pierre to tell him where she is eventually also managing to run out and meet him on the docks uh, before Levin and Sasha knock out Pierre and kidnap Jeanette back to the lab. Um, Now Pierre is involved and he starts to help out the police. He didn't see his attacker, so he does get to meet Levin without knowing that that's his attacker, but Levin knows who Pierre is, yada yada. Everything kind of comes to a head with the police on Levin's trail and he's like okay we need to get out of here uh Jeanette you're coming with me and as he is trying to get Jeanette to come with him he transforms in front of her eyes um she faints and he's running around with um an unconscious Jeanette runs into Sasha and he's like Sasha it's me your master you have to help us we have to get out of here and Sasha ends up killing him who would have seen that coming um and the police uh crowd around um and then he turns back into his normal self after he dies. Yeah. The end. Oh, uh, like Jeanette is fine. She gets to be with Pierre, who's fine. Like, right, right. Yeah. Sasha her scars, gets taken away. Like, yeah, it's all her fucking scars fine. get cured. Yeah. yeah. Um, this movie is probably good. If you've <laughs> never seen Phantom of the Opera, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Mad Love, Eyes Without a Face, or any of the movies inspired by those movies. Which is like every fucking movie. Yeah. You can really tell that this movie had many screenwriters, as you kind of alluded to in the context setting, because every 20 to 30 minutes, we enter a new movie. For sure. What the movie kind of adds to the formula of those films is some truly over-the-top, melodramatic Italian acting. Every character in this movie has their emotions dialed up to like daytime soap opera levels in this thing. Like I thought I was watching an SCTV skit for some of this because people are so over the top. Like Pierre and Jeanette love each other to a like comical degree. Right. Because it's like a love him, hate him kind of situation. Monique, you know, Oh, the other thing, too, is every woman in this movie is, like, impossible 1960s Italian beautiful kind of level of beautiful. But Monique is a brunette and wears glasses sometimes. So she's clearly not as gorgeous as Jeanette, who is blonde. Like... And does like Veronica Lake hairstyling. Yeah. 
but like Monique's over there, like there are moments where it's, it's like, you know, she takes off the glasses and she's like, doctor, I'm so devoted to you. And it's like everything, everything in the movie is that like level of intensity, which also means that there's like nowhere to go Mm -hmm. when they do try to ramp up like tension or horror. Like it is a horror movie. It is trying to be a horror movie, but it's like so much all the time that it also becomes like comical at points especially when it's like suddenly a gorilla is on the loose oh yeah it's like what more are you going to throw at us but it's also like nobody stops okay the movie both never has anyone stop to question what's going on and yet has these dialogue scenes that last forever as everyone talks around everything because talking is inexpensive like i can honestly see why the american distributors cut like 20 minutes out of this because there's so many dialogue scenes that are just here to pad out time and go nowhere like um as an example of the kind of thing this movie has in a normal movie a police officer might come into the detective's office and be like boss we got the license plate number of the car that was stolen And the detective will be like, excellent, that's the car the murderer used. Let's put out an APB. All right, on it, boss. And that's the scene. And this is a movie where, like, someone will come in and be like, boss, I got the license plate of that stolen car. And the detective will be like, why are you bringing me this? It's been months since I worked in, like auto theft department be like but boss this stolen car matches the description of the car of that doctor what doctor i don't have a tummy ache but boss the doctor who could have been like this is what the dialogue is like Like, and like talking around like when sadok gets mentioned mm -hmm. it's like we get to hear the full backstory from that woman Mm -hmm. about who sadok was um and then the police being like what do you mean what's a sexual predator yeah it's bonkers and i it the movie doesn't play it for laughs either like it's supposed to be as if it's like building mystery or something exactly but like you know this is a movie where this woman comes in with the sedok story delivers that to the police and then there's like five more scenes of like various combinations of police and reporters arguing about her story yeah whether to believe it or not like what is sedok who is sedok and then later on uh, there's been another murder and the um, beat cop is like, Sedok, Sedok. It's, yeah. it's like, why are we doing this? Also, Sedok doesn't become a thing until an hour into this movie. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like, yeah, there's just so much dialogue. So many dialogue scenes of people talking in circles. Um, it works a little bit better than an Ed Wood movie simply because they have that melodramatic italian style of acting there's also just and i get that it's part of the plot and that it's motivated by character but there's so much misogyny and gaslighting in this movie it's exhausting and because we are also working off of a foreign film with subtitles that were challenging to read because of that watermark Mm -hmm. i kept being like did we not talk about that? (laughs) I started to question what the movie had told me. Pierre is a terrible, horrible hypocrite because like, basically this is a sailor who frequents a strip club when he's on shore leave, which sidebar, 
anyone who like is in our listening audience who went to strip clubs in the 1960s, <laughs> can you help me out with something? Because these seem so classy. Yeah. This strip club is like a, like white tie affair, like beautiful tablecloth. Take your wife out for dinner. People dressed up to the nines. Like, and like lots of like middle-aged married couples and women in the audience. And then like, she's not like a torch singer. Like she's a full on stripper. And it's like, I don't understand. When were strip clubs classy? Anyways. <laughs> so this, Are we going to the wrong ones? Right. Like, <laughs> so this is a sailor who goes to a strip club on his shore leave and falls in love with a stripper and then doesn't want his girlfriend to be a stripper, so wants her to quit stripping, which is like a super misogynistic point of view. It's also like really common to this day, like guys who fall in love with like the models. person who's hot and right. then is mad that other, other people, people find, find them hot. hot exactly yes exactly which is super misogynistic but then we have to root for this guy later against the villain who's like i love you therefore the fact that you don't love me is you lying to yourself about how you don't love me because you couldn't possibly not love me i created you like yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with throughout. And then everybody in this movie is very bad at their jobs. <laughs> I guess except for Professor Levin. Right. Like I, he does No, matter. no, he is bad at his job because <laughs> okay, he's in this bind where he has to murder people for their glands to make derma 28 because he ran out of derma 28 and it takes too long to make more. And so he's in a rush for no reason. Well, he's in a rush because he doesn't want anyone to know that the process didn't work permanently, especially Jeanette. He doesn't want her to realize he's having to keep doing things. He wants her to think that the process worked the first time. Okay, this is a problem I have with like all of these mad scientists who follow this eyes without a face kind of pattern. There's this weird thing they all do where they tell no one about their work because they want to have it work on their guinea pig character and then present it to the world and shock everyone and be like, look, um, and then when it turns out to be temporary, they're like, oh, no. And then they have to kill people to try to keep it going. And it's like, once you are permanently cured, then we can reveal it to the world and so on. And this isn't how science works. Like, if you want to be famous because you invented the thing that cured scars, you do the experiment and then you publish a paper Yeah. in a in a journal and then other scientists read it and they go, holy shit, that's cool. And then you win the Nobel prize. And that's the end of the story. There aren't like science fair competitions at the like, like <laughs> top level of science. That's not how this works. It's not like young Frankenstein where he goes out there and puts on the show. Like it's <laughs> also, it's not like scarring is a life or death situation, right? Oh, okay. So there, this time limit is only put on by himself. Yes. Because he doesn't want Jeanette to, find out that it didn't work the first time and the other thing is these movies always do this thing where they want to make a cure but it turns out it's not a cure it's just a treatment and you have to reapply it and all of these scientists treat this as this huge failure when any pharmacology company would tell you no that is the ideal situation because we can keep <laughs> selling derma 28 forever and ever and ever and then and i just i just i know it's just a dumb movie i know it's just a dumb movie give it to me well it's just that like 
the problem is, is that this movie is beat for beat following these old formulas, right? Like even when the scarring old formulas, yes. I mean, there's a gorilla on the loose in this movie for (laughs) Christ's sake. But like when her scarring started to appear, I was like the beast flesh creeps back. Right. Which is like all the way back to 1933. Okay. The idea that you have a treatment that will destroy the cells in the scar tissue to get rid of the scar tissue. Fine. I'm going to buy that for the sake of suspension of disbelief. Why does it come back? Mm-hmm. It only comes back because that's what always happens in this movie. But scar tissue isn't a disease. It isn't cancer. It isn't an infection. If anything, it should get worse because you're doing more damage to damaged cells. Right. But like the idea is that you destroyed the damaged cells. So what is growing back? How are there just damaged cells reforming again? Jeanette has face cancer. Like it's like a wound that's splitting back open after it's healed is probably what the writers were thinking, but that's not how any of this like works. But it's so much in this movie happens because it happens in the formula of the movies they're copying. Why does Professor Levin just randomly transform into the monster again against his will because that's what's happened in every Jekyll and Hyde movie since the beginning. Why does he, while he's like all monstered up, have this speech about how Jeanette should love him because he loves her and she should pity him because of all he's done for her? Well, because it's Phantom of the Opera, right? Why does he turn back when he dies at the end? Because that's what happens in every single one of these. The moment Monique showed up, I knew that her whole character arc was going to be she loves the doctor, but the doctor loves Jeanette, so he's going to kill her because she's going to be jealous of him and Jeanette. Mm-hmm. The or moment, even Sasha. The moment Sasha showed up, exactly, I knew, oh, cool, he's going to kill the doctor at the end, which he does. Like The biggest problem with this movie is that it's 105 minutes long, and you know everything that's going to happen in it before it happens. And not in a, like dramatic irony kind of way in a it's in a very predictable kind of way and it's like it it really is it's not it's like you will feel like you've seen this movie before if you've never seen it before like it's that cliche every step of the way and it's wild because you're sitting there and the characters and the acting and everything is telling you like we're up to like level 11. Mm-hmm. Whoa. And you're like, but you're bored because none of this is new or different or exciting in any way. Yeah. And it is meandering. It squanders any kind of tension. It could have developed. Um, Everything that's good here is what it's ripping off from other places. The makeup is good. Yeah. And there is like a neat stop motion thing when Levin first transforms which I don't think we've ever seen stop motion used in this manner no um so that was neat but then we don't get to see it ever again and when he is transformed it's all just a rubber mask so it's really bad when they need him to talk because you can tell that he's he's not actually able to talk like they did a good ADR job right but like yeah the shot where her scars disappear for the first time is like really well done and when they come back it's really well done yeah. too it kind of looks like a balloon inflating or something yeah so the makeup effects are pretty good but that's like 3 to 4 30 second shots in this yeah, so entire like movie right 2 minutes <laughs> it's rough 
And I think it's particularly rough for you and me because of how much this is just beat for beat other movies. Yeah, I I didn't really enjoy this. I had a hard time with it. It was way too long. Yeah, I'm ready to move on to ranking because like I said, I do believe this is a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It just, I just have like nothing to say about it because it's so plagiarized. It's like yeah. five movies in one. And I feel like, especially because it's trying to keep everything up at like level 11, it feels like it's thinking it's more clever than it actually is, which also drove me up the wall. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and we've talked about this in other episodes, the way that when you copy too many things, your plot stops making sense because you don't remember why things happened the way they happened in the things that you're copying. But yeah, man. This is one of the first times where I've looked at like a foreign film that got like super cut down for an American audience. And I'm like, no, you could have cut more. The Americans were right. Well, we saw the long version. No, but I mean, like (laughs) you could cut this down to be like a 30 minute episode, dude. I mean, you could cut it down to be an SCTV sketch. Absolutely. I would pay to see that. Mm. Monster chiller horror theater. (laughs) Well, let's move on to ranking. So eyes without a face. Is it number (laughs) 61? Yeah. Just wanted to establish that because I will say this. This movie makes me want to rank Eyes Without a Face higher. (laughs) Watching this, because I remember when we ranked Eyes Without a Face, we were like, you know, this is like a very artistic, wonderful film, but it's so far up its own ass as an art film that it's not as effective as it could be as a horror film. And watching this made me go, no, 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 no. Eyes Without a Face is is art. Like, I I appreciate it now. Like, I didn't know how good I had it, you know, like... (laughs) um, I, yeah, it made me want to rank that movie higher. This movie reminded me as well of stuff like The Manster. Yeah. Um, any movie where there's this kind of like, we have to keep doing injections of the thing to either make the transformation happen or stave off the transformation. This movie has both of those things. The Manster's down at like 107. Um, the Manster's better. Oh, yeah. It actually had shit to say. Village of the Damned's at 110. So I had to keep going lower. Yeah. And eventually where I ended up was at 138, which is Ghost of Kagami Swamp. Below that is stuff like Jungle Captive, Return of the Ape Man, The Monster Maker. And I was like, this is the ballpark for this movie. Um, So I made Ghost of Kagami Swamp my ceiling. Because above that, there's stuff like Bride of the Gorilla, which has a very sweaty, barrel-chested Raymond Burr in it. And above that, there's like um, Song at Midnight, The Golem, things that are ranked low for reasons explained in their episodes, but have like some value as films. Um, whereas this... <laughs> so I like the idea of like the value of the gorilla movie is Raymond Burr. <laughs> like I'm totally in agreement, but I love that that's what you're implying. The only value this movie would have is if like we lost a lot of classic horror film, we could pastiche it together, together using clues from how this movie copied from them basically. Um, so yeah, that's my ceiling for floor. Um, I got down to 250. Uh, which is Night of Terror. Right below that is 251 Sex Maniac. Below Sex Maniac is stuff like Crime of Dr. Crespi, The Mad Ghoul, Spider-Woman Strikes Back. I was like, this is probably better than Sex Maniac because at the end of the day, this is a like functional movie. 
because it has stolen parts from other functional movies and welded them together. Like it works on, I guess, that level. Whereas like Sex Maniac doesn't work and a lot of stuff below it doesn't work. So that's my range, 238 to 251. Well, my range is below yours. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let me just pick up where you left off. (laughs) I don't think this movie works because it's all these different things glommed onto each other. Mm -hmm. Those... 20 minute cul-de-sacs maybe work in and of themselves, but trying to glom them all together, it's like a collage of hell. (laughs) Like it doesn't work. I bet the American who cut this down to 69 minutes had like a lot of fun because when I'm cutting stuff down, there's this really good feeling that you get when you go, Oh, Oh, I can cut 20 minutes of this and it changes nothing. No one will ever know. And then you get rid of it and it's like, (laughs) no one will ever know. (laughs) So with that in mind, I started looking down and I was like, really unsure of where to base myself. And down here, I saw the title, Ein Toter Hing im Netz at 264. And I was like, that's from 1960. What movie is that? Yeah, we just watched this. What movie is this? So that is... um, that plane of sexy ladies goes down. They're stuck on the island for like mm. several months, but only like right. one of them dies. Right, 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 And right. then those two sailors come on board yes. onto the island. And the one like, guy becomes a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because of like the spider mm-hmm. thing. Yes. Yeah, so that <laughs> I was like, okay, that movie somehow functions, hmm. um, but really had a hard time like justifying that it's horror because mm-hmm. it was really much more focused on sexy babes. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie, Atomic Age Vampire, at least can justify that it's a bit more horror than that. Okay, I do need to stop you for a second just so I can say the Sedoc title gets justified by the wild, I want attention Italian woman who says it's Sedoc out of nowhere and everyone says, okay, sure, I guess. The Atom Age Vampire thing is justified near the very end when like one of the characters is like, yes, yeah, so he was researching like atomic energy and then, you know, using that knowledge to go out and prey on women uh, like at night and kill them like one at a time in order to like, you know, gain their vitality and, and use his atomic science to put it into someone else, like some kind of Adam age vampire. Um, <laughs> so both titles do get justified. That's how. Yeah. Just didn't want to leave that hanging. Absolutely. Um, so... Looking above Ein Toterhingham Nets, Attack of the Giant Leeches is at 262. Mm-hmm. I would rather watch Attack of the Giant Leeches than this movie again. So at 263 is La Casa del Terror, also from 1960. I don't remember what this movie is, and it's from earlier this very same year. This is the one with Lon Chaney, right? And the comedian? And it's Mexican? Oh, no, this is Lon Chaney. Yeah, okay, the yeah. Legend of the Mummy was that he was a murderer and a werewolf. Right. Right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's and the main character is like the weirdo Mexican comedian who gets the girl in the end. Yeah. Okay. Cool. This is better than that. <laughs> and yes. not as good as Attack of the Giant Leeches. Yeah. Cool. That slots it right in there. Hey. Fantastic. <laughs> Entering in the list at the new number 263 out of 282 is Sedok. The Rede de Satanas, or Adam Age Vampire, 
from 1960, directed by Anton Giulio Maiano. I thought it was directed by Mario Fava, Ben. (laughs) Goodness. If you would like to see this list, you can go to our website, ScreamScenePodcast.com. There you can find links to the many episodes that we have mentioned today, as well as our appeals box. If you truly feel in your heart that Sedok slash Adam Age Vampire should go higher, uh, you can reach out. If you feel like it should go below and go further down the list, you can also reach out. Um, You can also contest the ranking of any other movie on our list by reaching out over Tumblr, on our ask box or through email at screamscenepodcast at gmail.com. Scream Scene updates every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can support the show by leaving us a rating or a review on the podcasting app of your choice. You can subscribe to the show using our RSS feed. We love hearing your comments. Um, We love getting feedback. Share the show with your friends over social media or around the water cooler if we still have those at workplaces. I don't know. I work from home. Either way, if you really enjoy what you're hearing, you can help support us financially by heading on over to patreon.com slash podcast, where you can become a patron of the night for as little as a dollar a month. Patrons at the $5 and $10 level get access to regular bonus content. As we mentioned earlier in the episode, every October we do some super special Halloween season bonus content, and this year's is a actual play session of the tabletop role-playing game Dread uh, in a story hosted by me, uh, starring Sarah and our friends Tori and Lisa as guests. It's really good. Um, It's also going to be a lot of work for Sarah to edit. So sign up to the Patreon. Make me feel better. Make make Sarah feel better. Uh, We would love you to take a listen. I think it turned out really well. So that's patreon.com slash scream scene podcast. Okay, Ben, we had a run of hits and then we had this. Mm-hmm. What are we watching next week? Well, probably, I, I think I probably have bad news for you. So no. we're, we're staying in Italy. Okay. Because we're learning now that the Italians can pump out stuff really fast if it looks <laughs> like it makes money. Um, so we are going to be watching Il Molino della Donna di Pietra or The Mill of the Stone Women. Okay. Which... I Not think like the stone mill of the women, like the women's stone mill. It's it's another one of these like Galatea. He makes statues of women, but maybe he kills them, and it's one of those movies. Oh, like a wax museum, thing. right? But like it's statues with cement, maybe. I don't know. I've not seen it. <laughs> this is the vibe I'm getting. Okay. Well, we will see you then, creatures of the night. Ciao. Bye. Bye.